Good morning. Happy Sabbath. I'm very happy to be here with you guys this morning to see some familiar faces. Brings back some memories and stuff, seeing the boys walking around this time, you know, with uh, picking up uh, offer for children's story. Y'all remember when we first came here, we only had a six-month-old. And yeah, and I, yeah, I remember, and I had to be holding him while I was preaching. And he got kind of heavy. <laughs> he was a little bit slow to walk. But uh, we're just very glad to be here with you all this morning, and thank you all so much for the invitation to speak. Let's, uh, let's begin with a word of prayer as we open up God's Word. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you so much, Lord, for the friendly faces, for your Sabbath, Lord, for the fellowship, and for who you are. Lord, as we open up your Word, Lord, may the Holy Spirit enter our hearts and our minds, Lord, so we may be able to understand and hear what you have to say to us. I ask this of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you guys a question. Do you guys have uh, friends that you have known for, for years and years and years? And, and like we all have friends that we've known for years. I understand that. But how many of them actually drop what they're doing when you're in a bind? You know, it reminds me of that song. It's an old, older country song by uh, Trace Lawrence. I'll be, let me read this uh, to you. It says, uh, verse 1 says, Run your car off the side of the road, get stuck in the ditch. Way out in the middle of nowhere. Or get yourself in a bind, lose a shirt off your back, need a floor, need a couch, need a bus fare. And then his chorus goes, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the cream is going to rise. This is what you really didn't know. This is where the truth don't lie. You find out where you, who your friends are. Do you guys have friends like that? No? <laughs> Somebody says no. Are you a friend like that? Because so many times we, we want to we have friends like that. Do we actually have those kinds of friends? I know a lot of people that, you know, they'll, they'll, oh, it's so good to see you. And, you know, it's so, you know, I haven't seen you in a while or, you know, just uh, that, that friendly face. But, ah, hey, man, um, I got a flat tire. My jack's not working. Can you give me a hand? Oh, man. Ah, again, you know, they always come up with an excuse, right? And that's kind of what I love about it out here in East Texas. You know, the hells are our neighbors, <laughs> but yet they live about seven, eight miles away from us. But, um, it's, it's so nice to have friends out here that, that are this, you know, that are the kind of people that go and help when you need help. And that one about, you know, you slide off in a ditch in the middle of nowhere and you're stuck. I didn't slide off in a ditch. Um, this is back in like 2000, uh, before I knew Anna. And uh, my, my mom had just, my mom and dad had just bought a brand new F-150 and stuff. And there was a young lady that I was interested in. And I had gotten her number, and we had talked and stuff. And, and I don't know how in the world we got on the subject of, of mud and, you know, going off-roading or putting your truck in the mud intentionally uh, <laughs> to see how far you could go and escape the clutches of, of the mud. So uh, I was talking to this young lady and stuff, and, and uh, she's like, well, I've heard my friends have always talked about going mudding and stuff, but, you know, I've never been. So I was like, Here's my opportunity. I was like, well, let's go. I'll take you. She was like, really? I was like, yeah, let's go. I'll take you. So I went in and picked her up and stuff and, and went to where uh, my friend David had taken um, us a few times. You know, we'd been out there. He had a 1972 Ford Bronco, which is beautiful. And uh, we go out behind the uh, Cleburne Lake. I think it's called Lake Pat. You all, you all can see it. And um, back then, you could just go through this gate and there's gravel that you were supposed to stay on, that's why the gravel is there. And then there's the, the road that, you know, young foolish people like to go on. And <laughs> myself. And um, so we went and stuff, and we're talking, everything's going great. And I'm thinking to myself, yes, you know, this is, this is awesome. This is going really good. Um, my mom's, I forgot to mention the most important part. My mom's truck was only two-wheel drive, <laughs> which technically means one-wheel drive for any of you who are mechanically inclined. So... <laughs> We go, I was like, well, I'll just take the easy route. And I'm looking for the easy route. I'm like, holy smokes, what in the world did I get myself into? Because there's these gigantic ruts everywhere. There's no easy route. So I was like, well, I'll just kind of stay up here. You know, if you hit something 75 miles an hour, you can't get stuck. So I'm going, and I, I didn't get 10 feet in. And it just, just went down to the side. As a matter of fact, it was so, you know... Tilted that when I opened the door, it, it, I mean, it almost pulled me out. And um, 
So I was like, okay, we'll put it in reverse, try to go in reverse. It's not moving at all, okay? It's just sitting on the frame. And, and, and she turns around, looks at me, she's like, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, everything's fine, everything's good. I'm like, uh-oh, this did not go as planned. So um, she's like, well, what happened? I was like, well, I was like, with this, with this pastime, with this sport, you know, I was like, how do you word this that we're stuck? <laughs> hopelessly, hopelessly stuck. I was like, uh, yeah, we're stuck. She goes, well, how are we going to get out? I was like, oh, don't worry, don't worry. You know, just trying to play it cool, you know, trying to be confident and stuff. But inside, like, my voice is getting tighter and tighter and tighter because I know when I get home, the, throat, the hands around my throat are going to get tighter and tighter and tighter with mom and dad, you know. I was worried. I was like, oh. At this moment, I'm like, man, this poor girl, you know, I'm more afraid for my life when I get home. So I was like, don't worry about it. You know, I, I, I got a friend. He's, I, I'll call him. We'll be okay. She's like, oh, okay. So we're walking down this gravel road. And like a genius, you know, because I'm trying to hide the evidence, I'm like, well, I'll just walk barefoot, you know, because if I get mud on my shoes, they're going to ask me, why are your shoes all muddy, you know, when I get home? And uh, I uh, walked barefoot about a mile on Gravel Road. You know, I lived in Keene. I'm not a country boy. Like, you, you t- anybody takes off their shoes now, walk on, it's going to hurt. My feet were sore. And, you know, you're trying to walk and, you know, trying to be like, oh, the gravel's not hurting me. I'm fine. Inside, I was crying like a little girl because it hurts so, so bad. And I'm, I guess I'm just a great actor because she never knew it. Started knocking on people's doors so I could use this before cell phones, kids, all right, where you actually had to press buttons. Some of them actually had a ring that I don't remember, rotary phones. So <laughs> we called, we knocked on somebody's door. He let me use his phone. That's how it worked back then, inconvenient. And um, it would have been more convenient to never get myself in that situation at to begin with, but I, I remember my friend's phone number, because uh, you had to remember friend's phone numbers back then, and uh, there's, so I called him up, and uh, he's working, okay? he's a mechanic, and he was working for the Cadillac dealer, dealership as a mechanic, and uh, I called him up, and I'm like, he's like, hey man, what's going on, I was like, oh, not much man, what are you doing, he's like, oh, I'm at work, I was like, oh, okay, cool man, uh, when do you get off, he's like, oh, I'm going to be here till like five, it was only like two in the afternoon, you know, I was like, oh boy. And I was like, he's like, well, what's up, man? I was like, well, um, and this is David. He's my best friend. You know, he's like a brother. And um, I'm like, hey, man, um, yeah, I'm stuck. He goes, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm stuck. I went mudding by yourself? No, with the girl. <laughs> he's like, who? I was like, oh, this girl. He's like, so he's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. He's like, yeah, man. So he's like, I, I can't leave my job. Like, I have to work. But call my dad. He's like, my dad will go get you. I'm like, really? I'm like, oh, man, I got to talk to an adult. I was already an adult. I was like 19. But at this moment in time, I'm realizing how childish I am for doing this stupid deed. So I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll call your dad. I'm like, oh, man. And my dad and my mom went to, you know, they were all family friends and stuff. So sure enough, I called him up. And uh, he's, I was like, hey, Mr. Esquivel, it's Ezequiel. And he's like, oh, hey, how are you? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm doing good. He's probably thinking to himself, why is this kid calling me? And I'm like, yeah, I was like, oh, it's a nice day out, huh? He's like, yeah. So he's like, what, 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 what's going on? What can I do for you? Oh, sorry, big boy pants. Come on, you can do this. I was like, Mr. Esquivel, I need your help. He's like, yeah, well, what is it? I was like, yeah, I went muddy and um, I'm stuck. And he started laughing. I could still hear his voice, you know, like this, like, hearty laugh. You know, he's laughing hard. And, and I'm like, yeah, it's funny. He's like, okay, well, he's like, wait, you have something four-wheel drive? He's like, no, it's my mom's truck. He's like, isn't that two-wheel drive? I'm like, yes, sir. And he laughed even harder. You know, I didn't think it was possible. He laughed even harder. He's like, don't worry. He's like, I'll be over in a little bit. I'll go get you out. I said, okay, great. I was like, man, this guy can't get here fast enough. So, you know, the girl's, you know, she's really nice and stuff. So I'm like, she's like, well, what's going on? I was like, oh, don't worry. It's everything's taken care of and stuff. He shows up and he sees what I'm seeing. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what was I thinking? This is the stupidest idea ever. You know, a nice dinner wouldn't have been better than going mud and stuff in my mom's truck. And um, yeah, sure enough, he pulled me out. Everything went great. Washed the truck, left no evidence. Very, very clean. <laughs> take up a different sport or, or pastime kids I didn't learn my lesson I've been stuck many 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 times but it's just part of the fun right but what I'm getting at is is this friend David at this point he wasn't able to to go out and help me but 
he has been that that guy that I could call at any time. And I have tried to be that for him as well. You know, we all need that friend. We all need that one person or people that when a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ needs help for us to be there. There's nothing worse than to call yourself a Christian and to not be there for someone else. Am I correct? When somebody needs help, it's our job. They're our sister. They're our brother in Christ, which is an even bigger calling than a paternal or maternal brother or, or sibling. But it is more important to have a, a, a brother in Christ or to be that brother in Christ when someone needs help. But what happens when our example doesn't do that? There's a passage in, in, in John chapter 11 where we find that Jesus doesn't seem to be in a hurry. So first of all, Jesus had some friends that he was very, very close to. There's been a, there's been a lot of stuff that's been going on in their life. And, and Jesus, everywhere Jesus went, he impacted people. That's what he did. He, he helped them. The biggest impact that he, that he had on people was that he was constantly helping, constantly healing people. In this situation, we find where Mary Magdalene had been possessed by, the Bible says, seven demons. So he had cast them out. So he had already made an impact on that family's life. An uncle had leprosy. He was, a, he was a, a Pharisee. He healed him. So in those places, in those communities, it's so small that people knew each other. Now that can be a blessing, but it can also be a curse, can't it? When people are nosy, which we have as humans, sinful humans, we have the habit of being very nosy. And we know everybody's business, right? And you know, at work, there's this lady who, who comes up to me and she's very small. And she comes up to me and she's like, I need to ask you something since you know everything. I say, what? What do you mean? She's like, you're always watching people. I'm like, I'm always, what are you talking about? She's like, well, I'm just going to tell you. Now, I'm not trying to be a gossip. I'm like, well, I don't want to know. She's like, well, I have to tell you. I was like, no, you don't. You really don't need to tell me. I don't, I don't want to know. My life is complicated enough as it is. Let's just leave it alone, you know. But people... And those communities were that. I'm not trying to be a gossip. I'm just going to inform you of sister so-and-so. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know those people. Maybe we are those people. But here in these communities, people were like that. Now, Jesus is over at Martha and Mary's house, and, and Lazarus is there. And Mary, since she's so grateful to Jesus, and Jesus had, has had such a tremendous impact on, his, on her life, she's listening and soaking up every single word coming out of Jesus' mouth. And Martha is slaving away. That was, the, that was the, the culture back then. The women were in the kitchen. The men were the one talking and stuff and, and just being laid back, you know. And it's funny because my mom, it's just my brother and I. We don't have a sister. So my mom and dad, when they raised us, they raised us how to mop, clean, cook, you know, do everything, wash dishes and stuff. And um, whenever people came over, Guess who was in the kitchen? My brother and I. We were doing everything, helping my mom and stuff, and my dad was in the living room. And at those times, I was like, man, I wish I had a sister, you know, or a couple of them. And, and uh, that's just how the culture was. It was not to be sexist or to be, you know, patriarchal. No, it's just the culture. If we were part of that culture, we would see nothing wrong with it. So Martha is slaving away, and Mary is just sitting there, just listening to everything. We'll find this, we find this in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And Martha gets kind of tired of it. She's like, oh, she's probably thinking to herself, well, that's not fair. I want to be listening to what Jesus is saying too. But here's Mary. Look at her. Oh, she's just, you know, she's not even sweating. She's just, she got the most comfortable chair. I don't know what's going through Martha's chair. Martha's chair. Martha's mind at this point. But she's not happy that her sister isn't helping her. Here is Jesus, the guest of honor. The, the, Jesus was the, the most impactful teacher in that community, in that part of the world. Everybody, the house is jam-packed. And you got to feed all these people. And it isn't like you have a blender. It isn't like you can just turn on the oven. It's a complicated way of life. Oh, you want something to drink? No problem. Let's go cut some limes off the tree. And sugar, well, we don't have sugar, so let's go see if we can find some honey and make some lemonade. It's, there's nothing easy. You don't just open a bottle of, of juice you have to actually make everything that you're going to serve. You know, it's, it's complicated. So Martha gets tired. Um, we're, verse 40, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 40. This is one of the first encounters that we see where Martha and Mary are, 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 you know, they're 
in communication with Jesus. There's a situation with Jesus. So verse 40 says, But Martha was distracted with much serving and approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has let, left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Hmm. It's interesting how, Mary, how Martha words it, isn't it? Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. How many of us parents have done this? I know my mom used to do this. He used to drive me up the wall. I pastor. Tell my sons that they need to clean their room. It's almost like they try to, they try to like embarrass you, isn't it? Have you all ever done that? Let's be honest. Some people look down right away. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you, you know? The worst is in, during a prayer. Let's pray together. It's like, why? And I've heard this, and it's the funniest thing. Praise the Lord, my mom and I never did this. But we pray, Lord, help my son to be kind and to be respectful. And what's a kid doing? I want to be kind of respectful. We have to be quiet because you know that God is there, right? So it's almost like we try to use embarrassment for that. And that's what Martha's doing here. So don't... if. I was a betting man, which I am not. I would say that Martha is the oldest child. That's a major character trait of the oldest child. Where they try to force the younger one to do something. you know. And usually the, let's be honest, usually the younger one is a little bit more free-spirited and not so much of a helper, we should say. <laughs> At least that, that's what the situation was in my house. But Martha, she does this. And it's, how do you think Mary felt? Oh, man, Martha, just go away. I'm trying to listen. This is so awesome what Jesus is teaching here. Look at what Jesus answered. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Such an important lesson for us. It's so many times we get so busy with trying to serve Jesus in other words, sometimes we get so busy with church, sometimes we get so busy with life, that we forget to sit at the feet of Jesus. We want to impact everybody else's life, but we're not allowing our life to be impacted. That's a dangerous thing. Many pastors fall into that trap. So, a little bit later, we find where Jesus is, has been having troubles with the religious leaders and stuff, and at one point they had tried to stone him, so Jesus is kind of trying to stay out of the outskirts of Jerusalem, still preaching, still ministering, still doing miracles. People flock to Jesus, because the things that Jesus is teaching, the things that Jesus is saying, they have never heard before. It is completely revolutionary, and they know that it is truth. Understand that the Jewish people were not ignorant people. They were, most of them believed in education, so they were taught to read or do basic math. Okay, So they had heard, they had read, they had studied. They, they know what Jesus is saying, and things are beginning to connect. That makes sense. That makes more sense than what my rabbi teaches me. That makes more sense than what the, 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 the leader of the synagogue teaches. And the thing is that Jesus is able to do miracles. None of the other religious leaders are able to do miracles. Even, even uh, Nicodemus says to him, we know that you are come from God because otherwise you wouldn't be able to do the things that you're doing. They know this. They, the people who are sick, I mean, how many of us don't know somebody who is sick today? Everyone knows someone who is sick. And all of a sudden you hear that this, this, this young religious leader, this young teacher, this young rabbi is healing people? Everybody's going to flock to him. Everybody's going to want to hear what he has to say. So he's staying away from Jerusalem because he doesn't want any trouble. He doesn't want to stir up the, the hornet's nest. Verse 1, John chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. It's a simple request, isn't it? So here's Mary and Martha, Lazarus is sick, as was very common in that, that time of uh, history. A common cold could kill people, and I have no, no idea how, how. They didn't have the cleanest ways. I'm not saying that Mary and Martha weren't clean, but it's just... People could die at any moment because they didn't have the science, they didn't have the, the, the medical stuff, the, the medical world that we have today. 
So here is Lazarus, and he's sick. We don't know what's going on with him. But Mary and Martha, who know Jesus well, Jesus has eaten in their house many, many times. This was a place where Jesus could just kind of sit back and just relax and enjoy some of Martha's delicious, you know, veggie enchiladas. <laughs> I don't know what she cooked, but that sounds really good because it's almost lunchtime, so I'm going to hurry up. So Mary and Martha send for Jesus, and Jesus is not very far away. Just a few miles down the road. It's not like he's a half a ways a day's journey. He's just a few miles down the road. And they say to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, your friend Lazarus, the one that you love, he's sick. Okay, now they know that Jesus is a very busy man and they don't want to bother Jesus if they don't have to bother him so they know something is wrong. When Jesus heard that, he jumped on his faithful steed and rushed over there, didn't he? Nope. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified through it. Now, Jesus sometimes speaks, I am not the most intellectual person. I'm not very deep. What you see is what you get. I know that if I was one of the disciples, what Jesus just said there, right over my head, what? What Are you going or not going? You didn't answer the question. What do you mean that this is to glorify? What are, you, what are you talking about? Are we going or not? Do I need to put on my sandals? I, your friend Lazarus, the one who we've eaten many times, is sick. Why, don't, why aren't we moving, Jesus? Do you know people like that? Kind of just take their time. Have no rush. How do you say it? Have no pep in their step. Yeah, I, I can't stand that. It drives me crazy. You know, I want to, let's, let's get it. That's just how I was raised. My grandma, oh my word, I love my grandma. The most imper- impatient person I have ever met in my life. I remember I was, I was a little kid trying to, you know, help in the kitchen and stuff. Didn't know how to use a knife. And I grab a knife and it's just awkward. I'm trying not to cut myself. And I'm trying to cut like a carrot or something. And she's watching me and I can see her fidgeting out of the corner of my eye. And I can see her frustration. Finally, she's just like, hey, give me that. You know, <laughs> she starts cutting and she was so fast. She's Korean. Maybe there's samurai in her, but she was just like, you know, I have no idea. But here I am trying not to cut my fingers, but that's just how she was. She's like, what is taking you so long? I'm eight. I want to have on my fingers, you know. And then later, as I got older, I turned into my grandma. You know, I'd worked in kitchens and stuff like that before, after, you know, when I was grown up and stuff. So when I started dating Anna... There were some things that I was not used to because my grandma, my family, had gotten me used to certain ways. I had too much pep in my step. <laughs> you know, I'm used to, let's, let's get it cooked, you know, let's go. So, you know, I just picked the, the biggest, sharpest knife, for an example, you know. And we got a cut up salad, you need a big sharp knife, it's like chop, 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 you know, do it this way, do it that way. And then, like I started, you know, Anna and I are dating and stuff. And she picked the smallest knife. I'm like, what the heck are you going to do with that? That's like a, I don't know why we have that. Why would anybody include a little knife in a, this is the most useless thing. It's for tomatoes. The big knife could cut tomatoes even better. You know? So she would pick the biggest knife. And, oh, I'm just going to, I got my knife. We're in East Texas, so I hope this is okay. And she'd get a knife like this and just cut it and cut it. It looks so peaceful. But I'm hungry. (laughs) There ain't going to be no peace until we start filling this belly, you know? And she just cut and cut. And I'm over here like my grandma. Sweating bullets. Like, just bite your tongue. You just started dating this girl. Don't be a fool. Let her cut with the little knife. So then I was like, hey, I got, I got a, you know, it's like a machete. Shing, a bowie knife. I got a better knife. This will do it much faster. Oh, no, this one's fine. No, it's not. In my mind, I'm like, you're killing me. You know, this is taking too long. This is one of those situations. Jesus is not moving fast. He's, Lazarus is sick, and he's just a few miles down the road. Verse 6, So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you're going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he stumbles. He does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. But if one walks at night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. Again, I would have been the disciples like, 
what? I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus, you know, and I would have tried to continue to listen. These things he said, and after this he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. So then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. So Jesus, remember the Tracy Lawrence song? You find out who your friends are? You end up in the ditch in the middle of nowhere. You lose your shirt off your back. You need a bus fare. You need a couch. You need something. You need help. And your friend drops what you're doing, they're doing to go and help you, correct? They don't take two days. They don't take three days to go and help you, especially when you're sick. So Jesus is just kind of going on about his business, and the disciples are probably wondering, What's, when are we going to go see Lazarus? What if this was me? Can you imagine if you're Peter, who overthinks everything? What if that was me? Would Jesus leave me on my sickbed too? Why isn't Jesus moving? Well, maybe it's not. Maybe the, the, maybe the sisters, you know, the women, they're too dramatic. Maybe Lazarus isn't even that bad. Maybe it's just a bad case of allergies. So you probably got all kinds of thoughts going on in the back of the minds of all the disciples. After a few days, two days have passed. It says since he got this news or whatever. It says, okay, let's go, let's go see Lazarus. He's asleep. How many of y'all wake up in a good mood? I do. Well, not at 4.30, I don't. But usually, I wake up in a good mood. How many of y'all like being woken up? I don't. I don't. I hate being woken up. So here Jesus says, hey, I'm going to go wake up Lazarus. Well, why are you going to go wake him up? Well, he, he's asleep. Well, Lord, if he's asleep, that means he's going to get better, right? Because sleep... Makes people feel better. Your body is able to rest, is able to recover. I don't know how that works, why God designed it that way, but that's what He did. So, well, Lazarus, if he's asleep, let's just let him sleep. You know, he's going to get better. No, I'm not talking about sleep, guys. Lazarus is dead. Again, if I was one of the disciples, I'd be thinking to myself, how do you know Lazarus is dead? Guys, how, how does he know? Did somebody tell him? Did Mary and Martha send the same messenger to come over here and tell him? Understand that Jesus is God. He is of the Trinity, triune. So He knows everything. Although He's in a physical body like us, He still knows what's going on. So, Jesus says, let's go. It's so awesome what's going on in Thomas' mind, doubting Thomas, right? He says, I'm not going to believe until I can see and I can touch his scars after the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. But listen in verse 16, what Thomas says, Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. That's how bad it had gotten in Jerusalem. That they wanted to kill Jesus. The disciples knew this. Thomas says, Let's go. If they try to kill him, we will die with him. That's courage. That's faith. So Jesus goes, and as 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 he gets there, it's just down the road. Verse 20 says, Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. So here's Martha. And she's probably thinking, Martha, Mary's thinking the same thing. Where is Jesus What is taking him so long? It's just a few miles down the road. Where are you? Man. Up until this point, it's been four days. Okay? Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And just her faith, but I know that whatever you ask, God will still grant to you. That's faith. She has faith in Jesus. How many, how many people wouldn't have been mad at Jesus? What? I, don't want, I don't want you here. You could have done something. My brother is dead. Understand that the man in the family household is so important that the woman needed the man to, to survive. That was a protector, the provider. That's what the man was supposed to be. Lazarus is dead. Mary and Martha, we don't know what's going on with her parents, if they maybe passed away, maybe they live somewhere else. We don't know. Mary and Martha are left alone again. 
Where, where were you, Lord? Our brother, the, our protector, is dead. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha has an amazing faith. For not being sitting at Jesus' feet, she had amazing faith. Think about what she just said. She says to Jesus, Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Lord, I know that he will rise again at the resurrection on the last day. She has faith that her brother Lazarus loved Jesus. That, she, that he loved the Lord. She had faith that she would see her brother again. My, my dad died back in 2019 from cancer. And uh, we were back in Texas and stuff. And I remember I had been playing my guitar just trying to uplift his spirit, I guess you can say. And uh, a little bit, we were just sitting there. I loved listening to my dad. I loved talking to my dad. He had been anointed three times, twice by me and my brother, one other time by pastors, by some other pastors. We had prayed over him constantly. Had friends, had churches praying for him. He still passed away. But in this instance, I'm sitting on the bed, he's lying down, and he's on morphine. And uh, he tells me, he says, Mijo, I want you to promise me something. Oh yeah, Dad, what, what is it? He's like, promise me that I will see you in heaven. And I had this knot on my throat. I said, Dad, you got it. I said, I, I, will, see, I will be in heaven, Dad. I, I knew, unless a miracle happened, I mean, my, my dad's a few weeks from death. I knew that he was going to die, that he was going to pass. But for him to speak those words, how many times hadn't he prayed that God would heal him? For my dad to be in that kind of anguish and pain, my dad was not a weak man. The strongest man I ever knew. For him to still be thinking, I'm going to go to heaven. To still have faith in God after the pain that he's been through? I said, Dad, I'll be there. I'll be in heaven. And he says, I want you to promise me one other thing. Promise me that you will do everything in your power that your wife and your boys will be in heaven too. I said, I will do everything in my power, everything that I can, that my boys will be there too and my wife. I know, like Mary says here, I know I will see my dad again. Death is a terrible and painful thing because it's not supposed to happen. Death is not created by God. It's a result of sin. God created us to live forever. Just like we're supposed to have fingers. If I cut off one of my fingers, does it feel good? If I cut off my leg, does it feel good? No. Death causes pain because it is not natural. It's not what God intended for the human race. So here's Mary and Martha, and they are broken. Lord, where were you if you would have been here? My brother would not have died. That's faith. That's faith because they knew that Jesus had power over death. But it's even more faith to continue to love Jesus. It's even more faith to continue to accept Jesus and trust Him. Even when their prayers weren't answered. Even when the result of their prayer was not what they wanted. Sometimes Jesus says no. And that's terrible. It hurts. Sometimes the answer is no. God knows best. We may not see it now, but we're going to see it here in just a little bit. We may not see it now, but we're going to see it when Jesus comes back. Why God says no. They still had faith in Jesus. Miracles don't equal faith. Miracles do not create faith. Do we understand that as a people of God? How many times haven't we prayed for something and it isn't granted to us? And how many times have we prayed for something, it's granted to us, and guess what? Sometimes we still choose to leave God. It's not a result. 
Faith has to happen even when things aren't answered. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. Do you know what she's confessing? (laughs) Martha, do you know what she just said? I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is to come into the world. She's saying, I believe that the prophets who have been prophesying all this time, that all the, the world has been waiting for this Messiah, the Anointed One, the Savior of the world. She's saying, I believe that you are Him. You are the one. She's confessing this in the most painful time of her life. She's confessing, Lord, you are the Christ. In the most difficult time of her life. You are the one we've been waiting for. You are the Messiah. You are the Savior of the world, Lord. The most painful time of her life, and she still loves Jesus. She still has faith in Him. (laughs) Maybe even more faith now than before. And when she said these things, she says she went to, she called Mary. And she said to, to Mary, Mary, the teacher is here. So Mary runs to where Jesus is. Verse um, 32. Then when Mary came to where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do you think Mary and Martha thought about this? I'm sure that when they called, went to call Jesus, they said, well, you know, Jesus is just a few miles on the road. He should be here by lunchtime at the latest. Let's get some food ready for, for Jesus, you know, his favorite, his favorite <laughs> enchiladas, his favorite veggie tacos. We're going to get them ready for Jesus. Actually, Jesus ate fish, but that's besides the point. <laughs> so Jesus gets, they're waiting for Jesus. They're making his favorite meal because they're thinking, if Jesus, once Jesus gets here, Jesus gets here equals Lazarus healed. That's their equation. That's a, that's a fix for them. Jesus is here. Lazarus doesn't die. That food went cold. Jesus never showed up. Mary and Martha talked about this. They prayed. If Jesus is here, Lazarus doesn't die. If Jesus is here, Lazarus doesn't die. They kept saying this to themselves over and over and over. That's why they both said the same exact thing. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Two words, the shortest verses in the Bible. If anybody can memorize some words, it's those two. Jesus wept. But so many times we don't think of the result. Why did Jesus weep? What was going on in the world? What was going on in his world? What was going on with the people around him that would cause Jesus to weep? Here's a creator of heaven and earth. Understand, here's a creator of heaven and earth. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit had come down from, from, from their throne. Come to this earth, formed a man out of dirt, out of dust. They blew into his nostrils. Do you know the intimacy of it, what it is to, to breathe into somebody's nostrils? How many of y'all have ever done that? <laughs> Come here, wife. I will breathe into your nostrils. I don't want your stinky breath in my nose. <laughs> have I ever done that? Uh? No, please, if I do, just sock me one. No, I'm just kidding. Don't sock me. But it's, just a, it's, it's so Intimate. Here is the, the Trinity, and they breathe the breath of life into, into Adam. So here is Jesus, and the reason he weeps it, he says that his spirit groaned, his heart was broken. Because here is his creation. The Psalms say, Lord, before I was formed in my mother's womb, you knew me. <laughs> to Jeremiah, God says, Jeremiah, before you were born, I ordained you. I had a plan for your life, Jeremiah. I knew you before your mother even knew you. So Jesus knew Lazarus before Lazarus was even born. And his heart is broken because he sees his creation. He sees his children in pain. Man, this this is hard. He sees his children in pain because this is something that they are not supposed to go through. And it hurts him. It, It breaks his heart. 
And he knows, he knows that the only way that we can have eternal life, the only way that Lazarus and Mary and Martha can have eternal life is through his death. That's the only fix. Without the death of Jesus Christ, Lazarus, David, everyone stays dead forever. Jesus knows his life, giving up his life, saves everything. Fixes everything. How many of us wouldn't be able to go through pain so that our children don't go through pain? Amen. I remember when they give my boys the vaccines, you know, little shots and stuff for, I don't know, little kid shots. I don't even know what they're called. <laughs> but I remember holding my boys and we go to the to pediatrician and stuff and they're just little babies. You know, they have the chubby little legs and stuff. And, you know, babies have wrinkles upon wrinkles upon wrinkles. <laughs> You know, they're just like little balls of jelly and they're so happy and they're just little, you know, they don't know what's about to happen. And I remember the, 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 the I don't know if it was a nurse or some cruel person, <laughs> says just hold them down. I was like, what? I, can't you get somebody else in here? Get uh, one of your partners, you know, in crime. I'm not going to hold my child down while you give them a shot. And here's the baby and they're just so happy. They don't know what's about to happen. All of a sudden, they get this shot and they start trembling. It hurts. And then they look at you like, why are you doing this? Why are you holding me down? I'm not going to lie. I got choked up. I don't want my kids to go through pain. Jesus says his spirit groaned. His heart was broken. And he wept for his creation. He saw. He had seen many times death. This was not the first time. He had seen sickness. This was not the first time. His heart was broken. It's interesting, just a little bit in there, I I think I skipped over it where, no, actually it's a little bit further down, you know, the, the other people, they said, man, couldn't the man who opened the eyes of the blind had kept this man from dying? So they all know that Jesus could heal. Verse 38 says, And Jesus came, Jesus again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha and the sister of him who was dead said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench for he's been dead for four days. For four days. You know, your body begins to decompose as soon as you die. There's no more life in it. No, I'm not going to lie. If I was one of the people, one of the men around, I would have been like, whoa, what are you doing? That's disrespectful. Let the body, leave the body alone. He's already dead. What are you, what are you, it's a little late now. Really going to remove the stone? Like, who does that? Martha's like, the smell is, is strong, Lord. You, let's, let's leave it alone. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know you always hear me. But because of the people that who are standing here, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him. Let him go. What would you have done? Let's be honest. How many of you would have fainted? Now, I always, for some reason, I don't know if you guys, I daydream a lot, and I've daydreamed about this passage. And I've always daydreamed of being one of the guys that rolls a stone away. I don't know why. That's just what I do. I daydream. Even my boys are like, I was just daydreaming. I was like, oh, that's a bad habit. (laughs) So they roll the stone away, and the stench hits you. And you're like, oh my goodness. That's bad. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. Understand, it's been four days. The reason that it took Jesus four days is because for some reason, the religious leaders, the people had this tradition, this belief that the Spirit would for some reason wander around thinking about it. Should I come back? Should I come back? And they thought to themselves, three days could pass. On day two, 
That person can come back to life. I don't know if they've, they've ever seen this before. I have no clue. It's the strangest belief. Somebody's pull stops, there's no more life in them, right? Unless you do like CPR or something. It's just, I don't know how, you know, that's beyond me and stuff. But three days, that's what they were teaching. That's what they believed. That's why Jesus waited till the fourth day. Because if Jesus would have healed them that day, that, Jesus, that Lazarus dies, the religious leaders would have been like, oh yeah, his spirit was still hovering around, his spirit was still here. It was just undecided. <laughs> Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. You know, one of those deals. Should I come back? I don't know, they weren't very nice to me. So I think I'll stay away. I think I'm just going to go to paradise. That's, that's what they were thinking. For four days, so Jesus says, on the fourth day I'll go. This way, all doubt is removed. This way, the religious leaders cannot say, well, it's just, technically, he wasn't really dead. He was just undecided. So Jesus shows up on the fourth day to do this. That's why it took him so long. Because of our hard-heartedness. And I, again, I'm in that picture and stuff, and I roll the stone away, and here's Jesus, and now I'm watching what Jesus is doing, and I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing? The smell is terrible. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Good one. And all of a sudden, you hear some rustling. You know, like when you're in the kitchen and stuff, and somebody's moving in the bedroom, and you can hear the, the bed, or you can hear the blanket, or you can hear the sandals, or whatever it is. You can hear some shuffling of feet. <laughs> Lazarus, come forth. Ha, ha, ha. Wait, what's that sound? There shouldn't be any sound in there. And out of the darkness comes out this man. Understand that the smell is still in there, but now the man that had caused that smell originally is alive. The, 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 the cause for the smell is now gone. What do you do? What do you say when Jesus has brought back to life what was in the state of decomposition? Do you understand this? I would have passed out. Boom. Somebody pick up his keys. He just passed out. <laughs> and then Jesus says, Hey guys, remove the death clothes from him. What would Mary and Martha be thinking at this point? Why couldn't you do this a little bit earlier? <laughs> Why did we have to go through all that pain for four days of suffering? You know what the crazy part is? The part that just really just breaks my heart and shows us how sinful a human can get? That the religious leaders, instead of saying, wow, this is the Messiah, they thought to themselves, oh shoot, now we're going to have to kill Jesus and Lazarus. Who in the world thinks that? But that's what they jump to. Now we don't just have to kill Jesus, Lazarus as well. That's what their mind jumped to. Which shows us, miracles, it doesn't matter how great they are. Do not equal faith. What gives us faith, the reason that Martha and Mary had faith, is that they had had communion with Jesus Christ. It's communion. It's being able to talk with Jesus. In my workplace right now, there's a lot of people, you know, we, we live in the belt buckle. Alright? There's a lot of people here that are Christians. Everybody goes to church. And people say, well, I pray all the time. I pray all the time. That's great. That's great that you pray all the time. That means that you like to talk at Jesus all the time. But do we ever stop to hear what Jesus is saying to us? Do we ever listen to the Word of God? Because we're good at... We yak all the time. I pray, Lord, I, Lord, I need this. Lord, help me with that. Lord, do this. Lord, do that. But do we ever stop to listen to what Jesus is saying in His Holy Word? The reason that Martha and Mary had faith wasn't because of the miracles. It's because they had had communion. They had sat at Jesus' feet. They had heard, processed, allowed the Holy Spirit into their heart and mind to be able to understand what He was saying. The Word of God, listening to Jesus, is what gives us faith. Not miracles. It may help our, our faith. I'll say that. I know if I saw somebody resurrected from the dead after four days, yeah, it's going to help my faith. But I would have had to have faith before that. 
What took Jesus so long? Why is it that sometimes when we pray, sometimes when we ask, when we're in our greatest need, it seems like Jesus is nowhere to be found? And it is frustrating. It is frustrating because some things are out of our control. Death is out of our control. Sickness is out of our control for the most part. Why is it that when we need Jesus the most, He's not there? And I don't have an answer for it all. But I know this. Jesus will have an answer at the end. Even if we die, like my dad said, he knew. (laughs) He had faith in God. But his faith was in the eternal outcome, not the momentary outcome. Okay, I'm going to get healed, and then 20 years later I'm going to die anyways. (laughs) I'd rather, as as much as they may hear, I'd rather die now, let a few years pass, hopefully Jesus comes back super, 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 super soon, and then live forever. I'll take that one every single day. Martha and Mary proclaimed Jesus to be the Messiah, the the anointed one, the one that everybody had been waiting for because He would be the Savior of the world. They knew He was the Savior of the world. They had their faith in Him. They had faith and they knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that even if my brother is dead now, He will come back to life in the future. Sometimes Jesus takes a long time to answer us because it's a character-building exercise. Nothing brings out the truest colors until we're going through a hard time. When we go through a hard time, let's really see what we're made out of. But I pray that we have had the encounter with Jesus. I pray that we have sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to what He has to teach us. So when those hard times come, even if we hurt, even if we cry, even if we cry, Lord, where are you? That we will say, Lord, you're still the Christ. Whatever the result of this situation is, you're still the Christ. You're still the Messiah. You're still my Savior. And although I'm hurting now, I know that one day soon my hurting will stop. And I will be with you forever. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so grateful for Jesus Christ. Lord, the Savior of the world, Lord, although sometimes we may not see Him, although sometimes we may not feel Him, sometimes we feel so far away and we feel all alone. Lord, He is hurting with us. Lord, come soon. We're tired of this world. There is nothing good in it. Lord, come soon so that our suffering may stop, so that our hurting may stop. We know, Lord, that You're hurting too. Come soon, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen.